What's poppin' everybody? Blake Neiman coming at you with another episode of Blake's Take, and where we will start once again in New York City. But, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the bad news Brooklyn Nets. I'm actually heading across the river to talk about the talented and solid New York Knicks squad. Yes, I said talented and solid New York Knicks. The Knicks were taking on the Fine Hawks. The Flying Hawks in the hopes of becoming the four seed in the Eastern Conference over them in the win in the Garden. But the Red Hot Knicks were not looking too hot early as they got slowed down by the Hawks who went on a 16-0 first quarter run in which Trey Young led the way, scoring or assisting on 11 of the 16 points. But Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and the rest of the Knicks squad would regroup and battle back from the 16-point deficit to put themselves within just two at the break. Young and the Hawks continued to put pressure on the Knicks in the third as they got in their rhythm to take a hot, to take a game high 11 point lead. Unfortunately, shortly thereafter, Trey Young went down awkwardly on a floater shot, which put the, him out for the rest of the game this game after already having 20 points and 14 assists through nearly three quarters, having an incredible game, but unfortunate to see him go down. This gave the Knicks an opportunity to get back in this game, which is just what they did as Emmanuel quickly, the rookie, hit two big threes, and Derrick Rose, the veteran, followed up with a layup to the rack, capping off a quick 8-0 run to tie this game up midway through the fourth. But now here we go, down to the wire, under 15 seconds left. RJ Barrett dishes it out to Julius Randle, who bodies his way to the basket for the big-time bucket. Hawks get a look for Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich, who would get a quick release turnaround three in the corner to send this one to OT. Big time shot there by Bogdanovich. In OT, the Knicks were in takeover mode though, as they outscored the Hawks 15 to five and route to their NBA best eight straight victory. Over this eight-game win streak, Randall is averaging 30 points a night while shooting 40% on or over seven three-pointers a game. A game. He's also getting to the free throw line over eight times per game, hitting over 85% of his attempts. The Knicks are now the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and Julius Randle has become a face of a franchise that is surrounded by several key role players who do their job. It's really exciting to see these New York Knicks play good basketball, and who knows, we may just see them square off with their fellow New Yorkers in the Brooklyn Nets this postseason. Now on to a big game in the NBA in a very high potential finals matchup in the Phoenix Suns heading out east to take on the Sixers in a battle of the one seed in the east versus the two seed in the west. The Sixers were without three very important role players in Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and Ben Simmons, but they still had the Embiid, and he did his job putting up 18 points while snagging 10 boards along the way, while the rest of the starters contributed to just 20 points and 5 rebounds in total in the first half to keep to keep the Sixers barely rolling with the elite Sun squad as the game was tied 50 poor apiece at the break. Unfortunately, Embiid would go down slamming his knee on the hardwood floor, which would put him out for the, for a, the game for a stretch from the third quarter to midway through the fourth. During this time period, the Sixers bench and shorthanded starters were fantastic for a majority of that time without Embiid as they kept the game within reach despite Chris Paul hitting incredible shots and going off for 28 points for his game high. 
And then he was hitting tons of shots from beyond the arc. Yet just before Embiid checked back in was when the Suns took over went into takeover mode, catching fire on an 8-0 run, highlighted by two corner threes from Javon Carter. Crunch time now, it was Embiid on 8, and as Embiid was showing the young fella how it's done, body him down, body him down low, doing spin moves, being the bigger body as he cut the Sixers' deficit from 10 to just 4. But with the shot clock winding down, Devin Booker scrambled around and managed to dribble down to the baseline, stop on a dime, hit a fadeaway jumper in what seemed to be the dagger, but not so fast. Although it was a great shot, there were still five seconds left, and the Sixers got a good look for for, for Con Corkmaz, who would hit a contested three in two Suns' faces to just de- to cut the deficit to just two with 2.2 seconds left. They would immediately foul Chris Paul, who is where the Suns would want to get to the line. He hit the first one, but would brick the second as Embiid got it and heaved an off-balance prayer, and it went in and out. The Sixers fall just short, but Joel Embiid just a, was just a wrong bounce away of making what would have been probably the greatest shot in NBA history. Undeniably, that was the craziest, most intense shot I have ever seen off-balance, seconds on the clock. How do you manage to even get a shot off, let alone a good, good look? Just an intense, down-to-the-wire, crazy game. I really hope this is a final series, uh, and we get a final series out of this. Because behind full health, just behind full health Lakers versus full health Nets, this is my favorite finals matchup after seeing what I saw in that game. And maybe Joel would get another chance at that incredible shot. Oh my gosh, if that would have went in, the social media, everything would have just gone nuts. That was so close. So close. Too close for comfort. As far as MLB, we will start with the Yankees, who were looking for new life in their new series, as they had their worst start to a season since 1991, with a 6-11 record thus far. Nevertheless, they were optimistic heading into this new four-game series against the Indians, In the first, it was like, here we go again, as the Yankees' defense struggles were in full effect, as Mike Ford let a ball slip under his glove, and he was supposed to be the improvement, while Domingo German would hit a ball, get a ball hit right to him, and he would look for the double play, but wouldn't even get an out, as he let the ball get away from his hands, as the Yankees would end up digging themselves a hole and with three-run deficit in just the first inning. Yikes, Yankees. However, in the third, the Bronx Bombers would actually respond offensively as Glaber Torres fueled his energy of criticism for his lack of hustle in the last game into something positive. With a base hit to right, bounced his way around to avoid Indian outfielders as he would score runners from first and second with an RB, two RBI triple to tie this one up three to three just like that. Huge spark for the, for the Yankees right there. German then really settled in as he would go on to pitch through six innings, only giving up two earned runs while striking out six batters. Huge performance there. They needed that on the mound. And great backup there in the bullpen behind Garrett Cole. The Yankees would have a chance to pull away in the seventh with bases loaded for Rukid Adore, who would play the shift as well as he could and hit a ball to just the left of the bag as Judge and Torres would score from third to give the Yankees the 5-3 advantage. And then in the eighth, Kyle Higoshioka would put the cherry on top with a home run to dead center. Huge smash there, sealing the 6-3 Yankee 
Victory! Yankee victory! Oh my gosh, finally. Their first win after trailing by three or more runs this season. We'll see if these Yankees can keep their positive momentum going through the rest of this series and new hope for a new outcome of their season. On to Wrigley where we had some great games between the a great game between the Mets and the Cubbies. The game got off to an exciting start with Wilson Contreras lunging out and hitting one straight back to the pitcher and Joey Lachisa who would get chased down towards second, but everyone was safe as he got a runner to score from there from Contreras. In the third, the Cubs got some big more, more momentum with a big hit out of Chris Bryant, who went one deep off the wall to drive in two runners from th- second and third, put them up 3-0 early. But the next inning, Pete Alonzo, the hopeful for the MLB home run crown this year would respond going down and getting one on the low curveball and taking it way deep for the two-run homer to put them just within one like that. No runs would be scored until the top of the seventh where the Mets switched things up by putting in Jaden Davis as a pinch hitter and he did not disappoint as he ripped one deep left center field just off the top of the wall almost gone for a big double that tied this game up late. Onto a bad situation for the Cubs in extra innings in the top of the 10th after back-to-back walks and bases were loaded after a pass ball with one out as Dan Walker was on the bump. He got the ground ball out of Dom Smith, making it for an easy double play to keep this game tied and getting out of the jam right there, heading into the bottom of the 10th. Similar situation now for the Cubs, but they were on offense this time with bases juiced and only one out. Jason Hayward rips hard, one hard on the ground, and it gets through to the outfield, scoring Javi Baez for the walk-off win, securing the series sweep for the Cubbies and getting the win over the Mets. Now we didn't have to wait long for the Padres' daughters to square off again as we got the matchup once again in a fresh new series. This time we had Kershaw and Darvish going on the mound instead of Bauer and uh, Snell. And they were trying to shut down their respective opponents' electric offenses. The Dodgers would get going with Darvish off Darlish, Darvish early, as the as they would reach second and third on as Mookie Betts would reach second on a double down the line, which set up an RBI single for Max Muncie to take the 1-0 lead early. Padres were then like, "All right, you're not the only ones who can tee off an ace." While Will Myers would then get it, do just better, as he just needed one swing to tie this game up with a solo shot to left. Fernando Tostich Jr. then got a piece of Kershaw the next inning, as he took him absolutely yards so far gone, and Kershaw knew it right as T.R.T. swung. He was like, "Oh my gosh, that ball's crushed! What a bad pitch, uh, bad location there for Kershaw." Tatis would then get up again in the fifth, and Kershaw was like, oh no, this better not happen again. Oh, it happened again. He smoked another ball this time on a line straight to the left center corner. That exit velocity was probably insane. I'm guessing over 110 miles an hour to add to the Padres' lead. Darvish, on the other hand, was dominating on the bump, unlike Kershaw, shutting down the Dodgers with five Ks through five innings, looking precise in his craft. The Dodgers' offense almost got some life with a line drive by Mookie Betts, but Manny Machado stretching out, making the leaping grab to keep the Padres up and rolling. While Darvish was done with his work after that, as he pitched seven innings along with striking out nine, 
only giving up one earned, a feat he has reached in each of his past four starts. In the ninth, Padres just made a statement saying we're the better team, putting up three runs in the inning, capping it off with an RBI single by none other than Tatis as he, as him and the rest of the Padres offense, as well as Darvish and his skills, pushed forward to a 6-1 to dominant victory as they continue to roll and open up this series with a big win. As far as local sports, we get to talk some tennis meets now as PHS and the new tennis courts are finally being used in some competition for the first time. Philomath number one at singles, Dawson Beckstead fell in a close match to sisters Nate Weaver who posted a 7-5, 6-2 win. Beckstead did not go down without a fight though as he came back after early deficits in both sets to tie things up. What Weber would regroup and finish strong uh, on his serving in the, in the end and would end up getting the win. As far as the rest of the singles, they won by default and so did the number one and number two at doubles. So now we have to head to the three and four at doubles and they actually did get to play and Noah Curtis and Jace Barrett played and they defeated sisters number three, eight to five, while Teddy Bembo and Ian Alba rolled to a dominant eight to zero victory at their number four double spot. As for the girls, freshman Bailey Bell won a number one singles, remaining unbeaten, while while Daniel Carlisi won a number three singles after a dominant 6-0 performance in the third set, coming back after a scare in the first. Sierra Johnson fell in at the number two singles, while the Warriors forfeited at the number four. As far as doubles, Atir Fairbanks and Chloe Jerva regrouped after a scare in the first set to come back and win the second and third. At number 2, Kay Bacho and Noel Lundin rolled to a 6-0, 6-2 set victories, while Ali Reese and Megan Reese came up just short at number 3, falling 7-6 and 6-4 in very close, hard-fought sets. Nadia Dursky and Lorelai Shell then capped off the full-play doubles with 6-2 and 6-1 set victories. Both teams get team victories as the boys won 7-1 and the girls 5-3. Great to see these home courts being used and seeing some action. I'll continue to keep you posted on the exciting events that happen in the coming future at these awesome tennis courts. Great to see this tennis team having success on their home court. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blake's Take. Hope you enjoyed all of that incredibleness in the NBA with Joel Embiid in the most almost the almost what if shot in NBA history. That is the best one. If if it would have gone in, it probably would have just gone down as probably a top three shot ever. It was ridiculous how he almost made that. And then of course the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are a good basketball team, everyone. They are a good basketball team. Number four seed in the East. Woo! What an improvement and incredibleness and true leadership out of Julius Randle as he's pushing this team to a playoff berth. And then, of course, it's always great to see these MLB teams getting at it and this new Dodger. I'm going to officially call it a Dodgers-Padres rivalry. It is There's smoke there, and, they, and the Padres definitely want all of it as they're taking on the, the Dodgers very well, showing them that they have a very good chance at taking, the, taking down the defending champs. And then, of course, always great to see the tennis team and now the new courts being used. That's awesome to see. You can catch all of it and more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or YouTube. Hope you all enjoyed, and I'll catch you all in the next one.